Welcome to another episode of the WAN Manager Podcast. I am your host, Greg Bryan, and this is the show where we talk to networking experts about the data services that make business possible. So uh, folks who listen to the show will know that uh, the math has come up pretty often, especially in our episode uh, a couple uh, weeks ago with Mark Cohn from Spirant. And to talk a lot more about what MEP is working on in the enterprise network space, I'm very pleased to welcome today Pascal Meneses, who is the CTO of MEP, to kind of take us through all that work. Welcome, Pascal. Greg, such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's great to talk to you again. Um, I thought maybe just for the audience, uh, we we usually like to start out with just a a brief review of your background. And then after that, um, you know, the elevator pitch of of what the MEF is for anybody out there who might be unfamiliar, probably most folks listening are, but uh, you always want to capture all that, right? Yeah. So what's, what's, uh, where, how did you come to be the CTO at uh, MEF, Pascal? Yeah, that's that's an interesting story, but a little bit about my background. So, you know, I've been in networking, I think, almost close to 40 years. Uh, It's been a long journey. Mm -hmm. And I remember starting as a developer and and then, you know, working on the the kind of the minis and mainframes. (laughs) And then I got into X25 and Bicing. I was like, how cool is this thing, networking? (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I'm really rotating myself. But then internet networking came along and I was like, oh, this is incredible. And then all of a sudden IP started flowing out of every part of every socket in the wall and everywhere in the world. Right. And uh, so I was on that internet networking journey from the, in the nineties and the you know, late eighties to nineties. And so that was being huge. And then I've seen every transformation you can imagine networking um, into, you know, obviously ATM, frame relay, MPLS. And then, you know, I was at Microsoft and I did many, many startups. Um, and then I was at Microsoft for a decade. And that was really interesting because I got to see what it means to really execute at scale. Right, and it was right. phenomenal journey and experience. And I was leaving Microsoft and basically I, you know, at that point, Dan Pitt from ONF said, Hey, come work with me on this cloud stuff. Cause this cloud's intriguing. This is like mm-hmm. over six years ago. Mm-hmm. Now we know it's everywhere. <laughs> right, right. And, uh, and then basically, you know, from there, uh, Dan left ONF and then Nan approached me said, Hey, you know, we really need help on transforming from carry Ethernet up into something that, you know, network transformation, because it's a very interesting mm-hmm. area. And obviously, and, and for listeners, if I could break in, sorry, but that that would be Nan Chen, who's the founder of MAF, right? So yeah, just. Yeah, yeah exactly. Nan Chen, the founder mm-hmm. of MAF. So Nan, Nan uh, talked to me and, you know, network transformation is huge now and everybody's top, you know, uh, top of mind. And if you think about, it, you know, SDN and a V, orchestration is now the norm in any network transformational journey. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and finally, you know, from the early nineties, internet networking was such a huge, huge part for a decade. And then all of a sudden it just kind of was kind of became almost like not that interesting, but now right. since, you know, SDN has come along and NFV and network transformation, it's been an incredible journey. And, it's like back in the nineties and I just love it. It's awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, what's good about this industry in general, right? Is that, uh, it, uh unless you really want to, it's hard to get stuck in a rut. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's so much fun to be had. You really just apply yourself and be truly passionate about the things you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then also, um, if, if you could maybe just give us, like I said, the sort of elevator pitch of, of what MEF is doing for anyone uh, listening that might not be super familiar with your work there. Yeah, so MEF or MEF started out with basically... I never know which one, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really originally Metro Ethernet form. We don't go right, by that right. anymore. Yeah. 
and, and the reason that showed up was that, and, and by the way, in 2001, I co-founded the MEF with Nan and, you know, I think 10 or 11, I can't remember how many other companies, but I left six months later, so I had nothing to do with the success of MEF. Gotcha. But, but basically, you know, MEF, and I'll just, that's our official name is MEF form. Mm-hmm. MEF started with the idea that how can we transform, you know, the wider network with very high speed pipes of Ethernet. And mm-hmm. if you remember back in 2001, Ethernet was in the land side only, and you never right. thought about Ethernet in the wide area front at all. It was right. all Sonnet, SDH, and, you know, ETM and things like that. Um, and But it definitely was not Ethernet. Ethernet was kind of blasphemy, and that was like craziness. Right. And then MEF took it upon himself to transform that wide area front with carry Ethernet. Start with Metro Ethernet and went carry Ethernet. And that really drove MEF into a massive success right. over the last 15, you know, 15 years after that. And basically carry Ethernet starts spewing up everywhere. And it became the transport norm to have carry you know, globally mm-hmm. between all the providers connected at the data plane level. So basically at the end of the day, it's an 80 plus billion dollar market, including services and products that continues to grow massively. And you right. see Ethernet as the big, pipe that connects all the providers together worldwide at the data plane level. And right. we'll talk about automation later, but that's mm-hmm. kind of where MEF has spent 15 plus years during 2001, uh, was just interconnecting the world at that massive one gigabit, 10 gigabit, you know, 100 gigabit, 400 gigabit kind of pipes, which is needed for digital transformation now for, for sure. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, to the extent that uh, all the the carriers that are that are members of MEF, right, are all turning down their old uh, TDM and and Sonnet SDH links at this point, anyway, right? So it has become the uh, the currency of the realm, other than you know wavelengths in terms of backbone transport and everything. So yeah, yeah, so true, Greg. And you know, one thing I did forget: we have two hundred plus members, are in thirty of them service providers. So it mm-hmm. says a lot that the service providers really saw value in the early days of how we have to connect this network together. Of course, with the internet, that's kind of a, you know, grab ball free for all. But obviously, managed networks of a high speed transport between all providers is, is very, very critical, especially right. now with right. digital economy. I'm sure we'll cover that. So Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly, you know, this is this is the WAN Manager podcast, you know, sort of our, our audience, uh, whatever side of that market they sit on are, are interested in, in, you know, enterprise, corporate, multinational kind of networks. Um, and, and so that, you know, that's, that's the direction you guys have been going. Um, you know, when I was, uh, writing up these questions for you, Pascal, I remember sitting down with you in San Jose, I had to look it up, but it was, it was the summer of 2017. So, and, uh, and you went through all of the sort of the ideas that you had about, uh, MEF working on SD-WAN standards, orchestration for, for enterprise networks and, and the new ventures in that stage where you're moving beyond the, the carrier ethernet part. Um, so, you know, one of the first things I wanted to ask you was kind of at that time, if we put ourselves in 2017, there were dozens of SD-WAN vendors popping up. Um, th- there was definitely, I can tell you, because I was running conferences for end users that were just hearing about the word SD-WAN, there was a lot of confusion on their side about what even was SD-WAN, or I, I like Mark Cohn's way of putting this, SD-WAN washing, right? Um, so I wonder if you could just kind of take us back to that time uh, when you were uh, explaining all that stuff to me then, and, and the history of, of how MEF sought to bring order to that chaos, perhaps. Yeah, thank you, Greg. So look, I remember at Microsoft, when I was still at Microsoft, the idea of 
you know, have hyperscale data centers built out, who was using these kind of underlay switches, layer three switches, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. having, you know, overlays on top of them with NVGRE and, and VXLAN. And that right. was a very intriguing concept because it yeah. decoupled the two together and allowed very agile overlays with a very high speed transport underneath. And that's in hyperscale data centers. And I remember in 2010, I would say, uh, thinking about how, wow, wouldn't this be cool on the wider front? And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. 2012, we start seeing the progression of these startups about this idea of, you know, overlays and underlays at the wider front. Right. So when I had left Microsoft, and that was about 2015, 2016, I took on the role of CTO of MEF. I told Nanchan and the board at that time that, you know, we got to move up the stack. The transports mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. going to go through this transformation where they'll still be very, very important. You know, this. You need to have high-speed pipes, and they yeah. they are relying on fiber and wavelengths, also, and Ethernet's a framing format, and then IP above that. But when you get beyond that, it's going to get much, much more software-defined, more virtualized, and you want to be moving up the stacks from strategy level. And I remember, you know, this is now 2016, that there was this SD-WAN kind of free-for-all going on and SDN was the latest mm -hmm. buzz and everybody was talking about it and it was amazing and it was like wow look at this this transform it just got legs and just going in all directions and right. there was a lot of chaos and it's exactly what we saw in carry ethernet carry ethernet mm -hmm. was exactly the same where in the early days in 2001 when the idea of can ethernet go in the wide air front there was a lot of people you know deciding and doing all kinds of things but it was a lot of market confusion Right. And that market confusion slows down anything mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. no one understands, like an SDN one had the exact same issue. No one understand what the vocabulary was, the constructs, the labels, the language. It was, it was like, well, let me try to explain this. There's these things that go on top and under. And, and so when you go to buy this stuff, it's really hard to understand. Imagine like I talk right. the analogy of buying TVs or you go buy a TV and I want this high, you know, high definitions, but needs to plug my stereo and do my, you know, my Wi-Fi, but how do you do that? Well, if you don't have HDMI and 4K and all these standardized formats, and then the guy brings home the TV, and then all of a sudden he can't plug into anything. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, I just, yeah. hey, take this back. So yeah. it's exactly what happened to Ethernet. Ethernet mm -hmm. got transformed. sd exactly was exactly in that state. Very right. chaotic. Everybody had their own differentiation, their own secret sauce, their own language and vocabulary. So it's, it's like trucking out English and French and German all <laughs> one together. and it just doesn't work. And that's kind of what we tried to do is remove that confusion with our standardization. Well, yeah, and that's a great point. And from, from then the, the enterprise standpoint, you can't jump into a new technology when you know, just like with carrier Ethernet, you know that there is no network provider, there is no overlay provider to which you can go and get absolutely everything you need everywhere, right? So, so if they can't speak to each other, uh, uh, you know, to, to put your network together, then it's a pretty much a non-starter, right? So. Yeah, and, and it's exactly why we, when I saw this, I thought, well, who's going to grab this space? It's going to be very critical. It, I believe SD-WAN is going to transform wide area network as we know in the next decade. And it's already, mm -hmm. you're seeing mm -hmm. that everywhere and every yeah. enterprise has no got doubt. some SD-WAN, either they're on the journey, deployed the journey, or you know, kicking the cans at that journey. But right. everyone's thinking about SD-WAN from any you know, medium enterprise uh, business or op. And, and really what we did at that point was we, I put a stake in the sand saying we need to, you know, if no one's going to own the standardization, we should own it. And we right. did that. It's exactly mm -hmm. what we did. We started and we 
got a few members in the SD-WAN community, vendors, to drive and standardize, you know, what is the definition of a carrier language, all the things I talked about that removes this marked confusion. Right. And we did exactly that. And it took us two years to get to the first version of that. And then we mm -hmm. delivered professional certification to train people what is SD-WAN, given that vocabulary language and terminology on our first specification of SD-WAN. We call that MEF-70. Mm -hmm. And then we also did service and vendor certifications and so on. And, and that really helped tremendously in the SD-WAN market. We have a lot of right. members, certified vendors and service providers and professionals. So that mm -hmm. was huge for us. And that took us to the journey, you know, to the point where at 2019, MEF 2019, we released the first version of SD-WAN in the market of a standardization, right. Right. right? So, and then today we now have just last week at the board meeting, we just had the final blessing that we're going to, meaning letter ballot, which means it's the final, you know, two months before it becomes an official standard where we go out to our members for intellectual property to say, Mm -hmm. You know, you know, vote on this now. And at that point, letter ballot, it's already like socialized massively. Right. And uh, right. we're just about to release version two is a takeaway. Mm -hmm. Version two is going to ah, come yeah. out in the next couple of months. And this is going to be huge. Right. Version two of this is massive because it includes many, many things that were left out in version one, including performance objectives, uh, more awareness of the underlay, this idea of zones so you can partition things like the VLAN idea, uh, topologies. Right. So you have, you know, spoken hub and spoke topologies or full mesh topologies. So there's many things in this SD-WAN mm -hmm. version 270.1 that's very powerful that handles this kind of idea of a SD-WAN version 2 or SD-WAN 2.0. So. Right, right. Well, actually, you know what? I, I, I might want to take a step back from that uh, um, and and just once you're done uh, then a couple of years ago with, with MEP70, what is your sort of standard definition of what is an SD-WAN, sort of, or what are the sine qua non features of an SD-WAN, if you will? Yeah, so interesting enough, um, after you get through all the framework of vocabulary and labels, constructs, you know, what SD-WAN really gives is value to the enterprise is it, it, it decouples the underlay. So whatever you buy an underlay, small branches might have internet or, you know, larger branches might have a, internet and an MPLS pipe mm -hmm. uh, or various variations of underlays and has yeah. an overlay that really at the end of the day meets an application objective. And that's the most right. important thing. Mm -hmm. In the past, we never, we had these class of services and all these things that you didn't know how the application mapped to that. And, and so the enterprise had to figure out how to map that right. through some classification engine, you know, at the mm -hmm. uh, ingress to the source provider network. And so whether you did that to different code points or you had to go, configure that as as ACL policies in your routers and so on, access control uh, policies. The bottom line doesn't matter. The point is that someone had to do that. What SD-WAN did was, hey, you just specify your application type. You don't have to specify the five tuple flows or, you know, mm -hmm. that's just the name. And and then SD-WAN, and tell us the performance objective you want. And you can even just do it as, you know, mission critical or time sensitive or something. And then basically you put that, policy in, in the cloud and also that gets distributed to the site you want. And then the SD-WAN environment tries to meet that objective with its overlays. So it's got multiple right. links, it tries to traffic steer and tries to figure out exactly how that performance the application is behaving. And that is the essence of why SD-WAN became extremely powerful was that application awareness, centralized policy, and the ability mm -hmm. to use underlays of any types and including backups or 
Offload, right. offloading became a real thing. Offload right to the internet directly, non-mission critical stuff. In mm. mission critical, run it on more managed networks of carry Ethernet, MPLS, right. and so on. Or even beyond the non-mission critical stuff, it's that there was at the same time as the SD-WAN revolution, that cloud revolution that, that you sort of touched on earlier, which is that all of these SaaS services, UCAS or whatever, were born on the internet as internet uh, best efforts kind of tools in the first place. So it started to make less and less sense to to send your, uh, you know, sort of SaaS traffic over an, an MPLS link breaking out centrally anyway, right? So sort of facilitates that as well, right? Yeah, but but then what you've now seen is everybody's directly connected to the cloud, and meaning right, every service right. provider has a direct connection to the cloud with Express Route or um, Direct Connect, right, Amazon, right. and and mm-hmm. these became a huge thing. You know, now all of a sudden, if it's not mission critical, yeah, we'll use the internet. Mission critical? No, I want to run a very high speed pipe or a dedicated mm-hmm. managed not dedicated, but a managed connection to that cloud, and that became the norm. Now, you know, 2015 that wasn't the norm, and it's become the norm that every service provider is cloud connected to every kind of hyperscale and SaaS providers you can imagine with a direct connect, a direct mm-hmm. connection of some sort, not using the internet. And now all of a sudden, how do you trap exterior that workloads over that, you know, very good connection on the underlay and still have the traffic management of the overlay of SD-WAN and make sure that application is performing. And that, that the essence is what, you know, I believe Enterprise One is that applications just, get the performance guarantees, mm-hmm. no matter how that's done, they don't right. care. It's just done on the wide air front. It's done by SD-WAN and right. it's all outsourced to SD-WAN to make that happen. And when it's not happening, you want visibility. So visibility and control are critical. That's right. the key. Right. Well, you know, what, what every network uh, manager wants is for the problem not to be the network. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. you know, but, but I mean, you know, in all seriousness, I mean, I, it's been for, for, for many years that we've been hearing from, uh, the enterprises that, you know, what they really want is an application level SLA, not a network SLA. And and that is wh- whether it's attached to an SLA that someone has specific control over, the, the concept is there, right? With Which is that uh, that that's the, the whole idea behind SD-WAN is that you're looking at the application performance, not, you know, not looking specifically at the network performance. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And the past yeah. way to do is you'd have to run, you know, application performance management systems to see is that network doing what it says it's going to do in the class of service? And then, mm-hmm. and then you have to go back to the service provider and prove them out. It was not working. Right. And you know, it was really this decoupling ships in the night model. And it was terrible. Yeah. Now yeah. that's all munched together under an sd right. paradigm. Yeah. That's the other real key that we hear from enterprises very often is, is the freedom to be able to not just, uh, you know, select the, the underlay from whatever sort of might be the best cost or the most available or whatever, but also be able to select the providers of the underlay and work across a bunch of different providers seamlessly rather than having to rely on one provider that has NNIs and the NNIs are their problem. And, and it's many layers of abstraction and trouble tickets away from, from you. Right. So. Yeah, so true. So true. Yeah. Yeah. So you you mentioned this earlier, but um, I just wanted to sort of circle back and see if you had anything to elaborate on that that next stage. The SD WAN 2.0 has emerged in the last couple of years. Meth is is updating standards on that. Any deeper dives on what will come out in is is it 70.1 or is there a new standard? So look, uh, yeah, we released. We're going to release very shortly, um, 70.1 version two. But mm-hmm. let's talk about what people are calling SD WAN 2.0 or right. next generation SD WAN. Mm-hmm. When SD WAN first came out, this 
movement to the cloud was not all there yet. It was just kind of talked right. about. IT had right. not moved to the cloud. And it was really about SD-WAN was connecting the data centers and the branches, you know, together with the new paradigm of WAN and the old one. And then all of a sudden, this IT to the cloud became huge and hybrid, multi-cloud is massive, and mm -hmm. it's kind of the norm now. We're seeing it. And so that was the next phase is how do you get to all your clouds with SD-WAN? You're seeing all kinds of SD-WAN offerings from all the hyperscalers and SaaS providers being the norm. And you're seeing the idea now you extend to your data centers and private clouds, your public clouds. And, and so all of that's all connected with SD-WAN, which also means then you have to virtualize SD-WAN and that to live in all these cloud hyperscalers, IAS infrastructures and so on. So virtualization is critical. The other thing that also we're also doing is the idea that SD-WAN is transforming wide areas. We know it for the next decade. So we have to have interoperability. Now in mm, 70 and right. 71, we defined service definitions. Mm -hmm. We never defined this idea of interoperability between with different vendors. Right. And so what we undertook about a year ago with the edge coming in, and that's another great thing about SD-WAN 2.0, it lives at the edge. Mm -hmm. Now the edge computing environments have the ability to host SD-WAN, you know, virtualized instances at the edge. Right. So you're only one local, one loop away, an ISP, you know, local loop away, one hop away, they call it, to the site enough to go transit connections and things like that. Yeah, that, that's particularly convenient for what happened to the world in, in the intervening time, right? That, you know, the concept of being able to download, say, software on, onto your uh, employee's laptop that is is then, uh, you know, an edge instance of your SD-WAN network from wherever they're sitting at home or wherever, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Users working from anywhere. And then there was two scenarios at the home, you know, your laptop or even ship a small, you know, mm -hmm. little SD-WAN appliance and they would just manage, you know, over Netflix from the house, manage your, you know, your business critical right. function workloads first. But the bottom line is, is that through all of this journey, the cloud integration, working from home, working from anywhere um, became all important. But, you know, the other important thing we saw was that, as SD-WAN become, becomes pervasive, you want to have the edge, and this is what we now started this project about a year plus ago, with service providers saying, hey, and even hyperscalers and SaaS providers saying, hey, you know, I'm going to be putting SD-WAN for my edges. I can't support 20 vendors of this stuff, mm -hmm. you know? So how do I have this universal SD-WAN edge, you know, at my edge that talks to all the various vendor types at the different customer sites? Right. And so we've started this project a year plus ago and, you know, stay tuned. It'll come out probably end of this year, early next year. I think it'll be more early next year, this universal SD-WAN edge scenario, which defines mm -hmm. minimal interrupt at the control plane, data plane, telemetry plane, and management plane. Right. So that, that source providers can operate this universal SD-WAN edge or even SaaS providers, service providers, since, you know, SD-WAN becomes ubiquitous, um, then they can still work with anybody's, SD-WAN at the enterprise edge and to whatever mm -hmm. vendor they choose and they like and they've been using can still operate. And that became right. a critical use case for the edge use case with these service providers. So that, yeah, that's, that's another that's a... aspect of SD-WAN too, that was interoperability. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so so not so much um, uh, the the driving force being you know interoperability from the enterprise perspective. Most enterprises, unlike the underlay, are going to source the overlay from a single provider, and it's an M and A that might uh, uh, you know sort of complicate that. But from the cloud service provider end, from the application end, uh, they're able to push everything out to, to a bunch of different uh, SD WAN provider nodes at the edge uh, set from from those uh, central kind of locations. That's that's interesting. Yeah, well, think about it. If it's, you know what we found, and this is, was kind of very intriguing to me, that I really thought that as managed SD WAN would roll out, they would just say, "Hey, yours the SD WAN vendor to use for your edge," mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. it. What we found was the opposite. Service providers were were really asked by the enterprise customer, "No, I want this vendor to be at my edge, right. my enterprise edge." And right. so now they you know, most service providers have to support two, three, four, yeah. five vendors at the mm -hmm. enterprise edge, right. at the CPE. So now right. they're like, whoa, I can't support at 200 pops or 2,000 pops, right. you know, yeah. in my edges to support, you know, seven, six, eight, ten vendor types, you know, whatever the number is, at every mm -hmm. edge, you know, times, you know, 100, 200, 2,000 pops. It, it's the operational complexity is massive. So right. you, you could say, oh, you can virtualize 10 and now try to operate 10, you know, different instances. Very, right. very complicated now. And yeah, and they, and they have to do that because as as an MSP, uh, whether you're a carrier or whatever, um, you you don't want to uh, lose an enterprise because they prefer this flavor versus that flavor, even exactly. if they like you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't expect that. It was kind of very, mm -hmm. very enlightening to see that that became the norm, and it is now the norm in any MSP offering of SDN. Right. Right. Absolutely. All right, so you know uh, we're kind of maybe midpoint here. I thought we might um, shift gears to to the next um, hot thing that that's happening out there, right? Which is that um, you know with all of these changes that have happened to the underlay, especially the move away from a, a, a private kind of MPLS network, the whole security posture of the enterprise has changed. Um, you know, we, we talk about this on, on the show pretty often because it's become such a big deal now. But, you know, in, in early days, especially one of the biggest issues was just uh, that change itself of getting the, the network team and the security team to communicate better. Right. I think we're past that now and we're and, and, and uh, get, you know, getting to a place where they're really looking to implement something like Zero Trust or, or SASE. Um, and I, I know MEF has plans to dive in into sort of both of these areas and, and that they're, you know, very uh, interrelated. Um, but I, I want to start there, uh, you know, picking up what we've been talking about, of, of how do you see the security piece working in conjunction with, with the SD-WAN work that you've done? Yeah, so great question, Greg. Look, it, it's really apparent now what... Enterprises want is a frictionless environment from wherever their users are to wherever the service mm -hmm. is, which is mainly now in the cloud. Mm -hmm. And they want application performance guarantees, and that was SD-WAN, and it right. is SD-WAN. And now they're like, I want security guarantees, cybersecurity guarantees. Like, I mean, obviously, guarantees is a hard thing to put in. Sure, yeah. Your finger up, but look, they want, they want, they don't really want any malware. <laughs> right. So that's kind of hard, challenging. But let's just look at that. So they want that. Frictionless environment to have application performance guarantees and free of malware, right? From mm -hmm. wherever they are to wherever they go. That that is now become the norm. And as you see, you know, cybercrime is 1.5 trillion and growing. It's massive. And mm -hmm. and we don't still know how to manage all the 
attacks that are happening at the enterprise level, it's still very complicated. As you saw in the yep. pipeline attacks and solar wind and all the various ways these guys are coming in, these threat actors are incredible. Yep. And so now all of a sudden it's all about cybersecurity. It's like, oh my God, how do I deal with cyber? It's massive and pain point. And, you know, I, and when my workers or my users go to home or they work from the coffee shops, how do I secure them? They're not in the right. corporate boundaries where we normally would put all these very extensive hardware security postures in. So mm -hmm. this became a huge problem. And certainly during the pandemic, it certainly showed itself. So now all of a sudden the craze has gone into SASE and then SASE, you know, you don't have SASE without zero trust. And now right. zero trust is talked about everywhere. So now SASE and zero trust is everywhere, top of mind. It's it, And you don't really decouple now SD-WAN from SASE and zero trust. They're like three peas in a pod. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. really bottom line is they right. are all kind of coming together, converging together as an offering. Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, the, the thing that we're always trying to sort of nail down, whether it's in our research at Telegeography, whether it's in conjunction with the, the enterprises, even kind of trying to figure this out or on the podcast, too, is, you know, what, what do you see as the, the actual key products that are emerging? And, and so what I mean by that is, if you know, I, I go through there's we have lists of, you know, a couple dozen security providers that, that have a, a, a quote unquote sassy offering. And it strikes me that we might be in kind of the similar situation as we were with SD-WAN a few years ago, where this is the word that you need to have there now, right? Um, but uh, it, understanding what the actual products and services uh, that make up SASE are is, is kind of dependent on who you're talking to. Is, is that uh, the way that you're seeing it now? Yeah. So look, what we did was just like when we talked together, I think you said 2017, right? So mm -hmm. MSD-WAN, we about a year plus ago, we took on realizing this movement that, you know, SD-WAN will be coupled with cybersecurity. We right. took on the portfolio of cybersecurity in very specialized areas. So we now have very active work being done on standardizing SD-WAN, I mean, sorry, SD-WAN, mm -hmm. uh, SASE, right. very important, because there's been no really standardization in SASE. And, and zero trust, because they go together. Mm -hmm. So we, right. even though NIST had a zero trust, great framework document, it wasn't a standard, it was more of a conceptual framework document mm -hmm. that people could get their heads around what is zero trust. Exactly, that, that there's been this, you know, the conceptual framework is pretty clear, but the part that I think a lot of enterprises are struggling with is attaching that conceptual framework to products that I can buy and exactly, you know, where to implement them and how they get implemented, you know? Yeah, so, so let's just talk about this. So what we did was, we have very much an active work that will come out probably again mid next year, I would say, mm -hmm. of SASE and, and Zero Trust. It might come out earlier, but like anything, you know, it has to have a lot of reviews by members. But the bottom line is we have two specifications going on, Zero Trust and SASE. Let's just talk about those two because they mm -hmm. all fit together. Our SASE spec talks, again, it, it, it removes confusion just like we did with SD-WAN. What is the constructs? The framework, label constructs, you know, vocabulary, language, that we can all get on the same page and call it the same right. way. Right. So we have this thing called subject actors, target actors, enforcement, you know, policy endpoints, you know, which follows a lot of the IETF policy uh, enforcement points, PEPs, and, mm -hmm. and, and so on, uh, PDPs, and so on. And then there's the idea of identity management, and then what are the identities? Well, there's, you know, 
device, there's user and there's application that needs to be um, looked at as identity. And then where are they trying to go? We call those tar- so those subject actors. And then they go to target act, you know, target actors, and those are could be awesome, mainly application, but it could be other users and devices too. Mm-hmm. So all of this has to have this idea of identity, and identity has to have access control. So what can that identity, whether it be user or device or application, do? And so in our zero trust specification, we describe all of this, including also time of day and you know contextual stuff, mm-hmm. what has to do with access control. Right. So you have authentication authorization, but what is the authorization it has to have contextual stuff. Whereas right. that Does user, this meet the, the standards that we sh- think it should based on location and, and time and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And then all of that has to follow, flow back in a policy framework, just like right. SD-WAN is policy, which we define in our spec. This has to be a policy, right? So, so SASE, you know, has the vocabulary of all of this. And we, st- we call it, you know, subject actors, target actors, and they go through a security cloud and that security cloud has a bunch of security functions. Now, the problem is there's so many security functions you can think of, you know, and right. you talk about IDS IPS or, you know, DLP or, you know, you, there's many things, you know, CASB mm-hmm. and, and they're just, I think there's like, I don't know, it's like 15, 20 functions. Yep. So. What we did in another companion spec is start defining these functions in a way that we can define the behavior, not how to implement it, so that people can understand that. So basically at this point, you know, in a SASE cloud, you don't get security functions just living in the SASE cloud at the, at the edge. So think about SASE is really enabling security, a cloud security at the edge, at the edge environments of these service providers to then basically secure wherever they want to go in destinations, even, you know, to public clouds, private clouds, data center, other sites, even the internet is going through the SASE cloud, Mm -hmm. which has a bunch of security functions. But in in reality, if you think, oh, well, if I have SASE and a SASE cloud, that's all I need. The answer is, you know, you still need some security sprinkle along the path. You'll need Mm -hmm. some security at the Mm -hmm. CPE where the SD-WAN, you know, appliance or the virtual function lives. Like, you know, just even a generic or next-gen firewall. Right. You'll still have endpoint detection response because you will just not get away from that. Like, it's like, oh, let me just take away any virus, you know, from my my laptop or my PC or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's just not norm. You still will need something in the laptop or endpoints until one day when they're just integrated with the operating system that we're trying to see now. And then Mm -hmm. you'll also have, you know, some security functions sitting at the hyperscaler clouds. For example, if I have a web server and a hyperscaler infrastructure as a service, then you want to put an application, you know, web firewall, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, 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 so you want a, a WAF, you know, a web application firewall, put it right in front of that web server. So, so don't think that because we have SASE that we do just remove security everywhere. There right. will still be security, but more thinner layers of security in other areas. But the most of the bulk of the security will have to be at the SASE cloud. And, and that SASE cloud will dictate who enters the cloud and how they'll enter the cloud will be based on zero trust. Your identity, whether the application device or user, and where do you go is all based on policy. So now mm-hmm. the enterprise decides through their policy what user, device, and application goes where. Just like we see in Active Directory, you know that was very common in Active Directory in the enterprise for accessing you know various services. Um, we mm-hmm. see now you know that same idea will be used of accessing the network, and and that's very mm-hmm. critical. And so that so zero trust and you know they call it ZTNA or software device printers right. and all that kind of stuff. Zero Trust and SASE all go together and you can't really split them up. 
and they're kind right. of go hand in hand. And SD WAN in our spec, we're saying in SASE, you must have SD WAN in order to make this a SASE compliant spec. And we were originally going to say, ah, whatever mm -hmm. VPN technology you want to use, you can. But mm -hmm. we realized mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's it's the transformation of SD WAN cloud security at the edge, you know, uh, with zero trust identity and access control that becomes the transformational journey that everybody wants to be on for the digital economy. Right. At, at that point, you really need some intelligence at, at the, the customer edge there in order to implement those. So you, you yeah, need exactly. SD-WAN anyway, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it, long and so, <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's great. That's great. So um, I, I remember, you know, thinking back to, again, that, that conversation in 2017, you were kind of looking for enterprise input uh, in terms of, you know, what they needed from from the MSPs for, for SD-WAN. I assume you're, you're looking for that now uh, on the, the security side as well? Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, look, enterprises, drive, they're the top of the food chain, right? Um, mm -hmm. They are the one buying the services and then everybody falls in line from there. And they're buying it not because they just need it. They're buying it because they're going through their digital transformational journey because they're digitizing all their workflows. And, you know, and those workflows need network. And they need right. an agile network, which is, as I talked about, it's experience, frictionless, great application performance where, where needed for their mission-critical workflows, line-of-business workflows, and very secure. And mm -hmm. all of that is extremely needed. And so these enterprises you know, are driving the requirements of what these SASE, Zero Trust, SB-WAN, and all these network transformational services that the service providers are offering. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so um, that, that was, I think, really, really helpful review of, of everything that uh, that MEF is doing there. Is, are, are there particular standards that we should look out for if, if people wanted to sort of Google this and see what was going on in the security space? So that it might be Googling MEF 70 right now, but uh, do, do we have names for the security stuff yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. We have, um, it's, you know, <laughs> there's so many numbers for me. But like, I know. Yeah. Line, Not to put you on the spot about. there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. no, no. I, I mean, literally, there's hundreds of numbers of MEF standards. But mm. bottom line, if you go to our website, MEF.net, mm -hmm. You can right. get everything you want to know about SASE, Zero Trust, SD WAN, you know, and also we're doing end to end slicing, which we can cover another time or I can cover briefly. Mm -hmm. But, and we're doing things at the edge because edge computing is huge. So the four right. themes we're doing is, you know, this highly automated underlay, which people don't realize, but the carrier Ethernet we've connected over the 15 years now has to be automated. So you can turn up right. from one point of the world to any point of the world within, you know, seconds, like a cloud like mm -hmm. experience. That between right. all the providers. The second, so we call that automated underlays. The second thing is the SD WAN we talked about extensively. The third one is cybersecurity, um, and then basically the fifth, the fourth area we're doing is edge. Edge is becoming huge, and so edge. Yep. I talked about some of the scenarios, but end-to-end -end slicing is very critical, um, and mm -hmm. SD WAN plays a very critical role with end-to-end -end slicing. You know, we can cover that. I don't know where we are in time, but yeah, you know that that's a, that's a great excuse to have you back on in a few months and and uh, <laughs> sort of uh, you know we we've talked about edge a bit on the show, but I think it would be good to get a much deeper dive. So let's let's uh, plan on that. You know, definitely. Yeah, it, yeah. So you know, take away, go to mef.net. You can learn all about it. All our specs are on there. It's the new mm -hmm. version two of specs coming out. There is um, the bottom line is is that MEF has turned an organization about network transformation. It's really right. helping and filling in the gaps where no other SDO has taken on network transformation. And those are the errors I talked about. Automated underlays, mm -hmm. east-west between all the providers, 
SD-WAN overlays, SASE or cybersecurity, SASE, zero trust, and edge. Now we're talking about end-to-end slicing and other parts we'll do. So if you just go to MEF.net, you'll see that that's kind of what our strategy is. How do right. we enable network transformation in the digital economy? Because that's kind of where the market's moving to. That's where the puck's mm-hmm. going to. That's where mm-hmm. we're going to. We're going up the stack, yet utilizing all our assets at the underlying transports to still become relevant. Because at the end of the day, in my last kind of pitch, is basically if you're going to go to the edge, and your edge is going to have all the AI, ML, and you know all the IoT analytics and blah, 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 whether it be the building edge or the network edge, the bottom line is those edges have to be interconnected to all the other edges around the planet across, you know. And there's so and, many and of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you're not using the internet to connect all those edges together. You're going to use right. the internet to access the edge right. or SD on top of the internet to access. But the edge to edge will not be on the internet. It's going to be on a very high speed fabric, which is what we're doing for the underlays. So. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, that was one of the last things I was going to say here was that um, uh, thinking forward like that of, of, you know, where the sort of WAN is going is that it seemed to me that MPLS had a, a pretty long time as, as the dominant corporate technology, right? You know, 10 plus years, whatever. But that with SD-WAN, it's not going to be like that where, you know, uh, once they had, I forget what it is now, but whatever it was, 46, 32 bits or whatever the MPLS did, you know, that, that was in place for a long time. Once you had that understood, you understood class of service, that, that was all there was for a long time. Doesn't seem like it's going to be that way with, with these new technologies. It's going to be a constant kind of rethink of where things sit, how to interact with them, how to implement them, right? Is that is that how you see it? Yeah, I think... Yeah, exactly, Greg. I, I think the bottom line is is that the digital workflows that are very new that we never really had before. It was I always say mm-hmm. digital transformation is not just moving IT to the cloud. It's new workflows that are happening at the right. edge. Right. You know, it's like where have we ever seen you know AI ML you know working robots or you know having neural mm-hmm. networks that you know manage robots and or look at you know analytics and looks at what's coming across and you know high speed photography or video feeds or there's so many things going on with, you know, AI, ML, IOT, uh, AR, VR mm-hmm. is about to come in or smart classes. That's never been done before. Right. So that's right. driving the network to be very mm-hmm. different in programmable, virtualized, you know, and also cloud-like in agility. You know, right. I cannot wait months to do things. I need to have things mm-hmm. done immediately, like cloud-like right. speeds. So this is the transformational journey that all our providers are on. They have to figure this out because the tidal wave that, of the money that's driving this is the digital economy. Yeah. So estimated mm-hmm. to be very, very large. I can't remember if it was one of my slides, but it's massive in trillions and trillions of dollars. Um, I can I find the slide if you mm-hmm. want. Yeah, but yeah, yeah absolutely. It is, literally, it is literally the key critical aspect of why basically, you know, networks are transforming. In fact, here's a slide. Six point eight million trillion six point eight trillion dollars in investments for twenty twenty to twenty twenty three. And that yeah. was quoted by IDC, Futurescape. Yeah. So yeah. think about how much money we're talking about that. That's massive. And networks are are the underpinning for that and therefore they're transforming because of this. Yeah, and, and exactly that the, 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 there's a change in that the relationship, if you will, right? So before you know the network had to be there and uh, to facilitate the now uh, the the uh, sort of 
network is allowing for new applications to happen because of how the network is working. The DevOps is totally changed because of networking. It, it always just used to be something that sat there that, that other things happened over, but there, there's a, a, an aspect to which now the network is taking part more, if you will, in, in the development of more digital services. You know? Absolutely. It's not just a dumb pipe. It's a smart right. pipe, right? Yep. So very smart and, and very, very agile and adapts and the network, think of it as, as your big computer bus, you know, mm -hmm. where all your processes now can run on. And it has to be in real time and be very articulate about security and performance and so on. So, you know, it's distributed computing, you know, in essence, using the network. Right. So, right. so, and you're seeing that from Kubernetes, you know, and clusters and so on. Right. And apps mm -hmm. with, with microservices. So, so, you know, when you say cloud native, it means microservice in nature. And microservice means it's spread across the whole network. And that is the essence of why networks are transforming at rapid speeds. Right. So. Absolutely. Well, Pascal, this was this was really great and illuminating. I, I much appreciate it. Um, you know, before I let you go, I always like to uh, ask people um, while we're doing this podcast, since we kind of started it uh, in light of COVID, uh, what what they were most excited to get back to. Now we're recording this kind of a, a bummer of a time, perhaps, because Delta variant is is rearing yeah. its head and maybe uh, stopping that. But uh, what what are you most missing, or what are you most excited to get back to, if that's still a possibility? You know, I miss um, integrating with all great people like yourself. You know, going mm -hmm. to your your great events that you put on. And and bottom line is I miss all the great events, you know, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I think people need to talk to people in real life and be with people because you learn so much in that human interaction yeah. that we're kind of missing through this virtualized world. So I really miss that human interaction. And I'm mm -hmm. really looking forward to going to all the events and talking to all our members worldwide, as I think there's nothing like a human being interacting with a human being in person. As you know, communication is not just about words. Yep. There's a lot to communication besides words. That, that Absolutely. Yeah, that, that Zoom fatigue thing is real. I find myself much more oh. wiped out by one of these than, than I would a conversation with you in person. You know, that's a, no doubt about it. And now you, we, were, we were talking before, you're also you're, you're a musician. I take it you're probably missing uh, being able to play and, and hear live music as well, right? So. Absolutely. In fact, we just started playing out, you know, I play here locally in the city in Seattle mm -hmm. a lot uh, on the weekends and it's just starting to open up now. So we're finally yeah. out playing a lot now, uh, which oh, is really, great. really great. And I really, I really miss that a lot because I, being a musician since I was almost 14 mm -hmm. has been a huge part of my life. And I really think they all integrate together. I don't think I'd be the person I am to get today where I am without my music. It mm -hmm. really is yeah. part of who I am. So. Yeah, yeah. Likewise for me. Absolutely. No doubt. Well, Pascal, this was this was good fun. And, and since we brought it up anyway, we'll, we'll make a note to get together again and, and talk about Edge. In the meantime, is there any place where if somebody wants to sort of catch up with you, they can find you LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, uh, uh, anything you want to share? Absolutely. On LinkedIn, you can just find me on LinkedIn. Um, definitely Pascal Menezes. And then obviously, you can obviously look over the MEF.net website. Mm -hmm. You can also contact me, Pascal at MEF.net. <clears throat> Sorry. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, Greg, you know, I really want to thank you so much for having myself and Mef on this great podcast. And you guys have been outstanding. I, I got to say, you guys have always been ahead of the game when SD-WAN first came out. You know, at the WAN Summit, you guys put that WAN Summit on. You were talking in 2017. And, and I, I know you continue to be on, on the forefront. So I really appreciate all the great forward-looking views and, and the and, and the great um, content you bring to the industry. 
Excellent. Oh, thanks so much for the kind words. And I can't wait till we can get together in person here. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening. The Wayne Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day. So guess what, folks? We got some big news at Telegeography, and that is that we just launched our WAN Forum. What is a WAN Forum? Well, this is a content hub and community for anyone involved in the management of a WAN or in IT infrastructure for mid to large enterprises. And it's got all the analysis and content that you enjoy from Telegeography related to the WAN, uh, plus some extra videos, some interviews, and some uh, special tools that we've designed um, just uh, for inclusion here, like our SD-WAN vendor selector, um, a high-level WAN cost calculator to give you some ideas of what market prices are. Basically, if you like the kind of stuff that we talk about on this podcast and you're an end user, we think that you'll enjoy the WAN Forum. And of course, this is a space meant to be shared, which is why a WAN Forum subscription includes access for up to 20 members of your team. So check it out by heading to WANforum.com. We'll be adding some new tools, constantly adding new analysis, and announcing some upcoming WAN Forum events very soon. So you want to make sure you bookmark that. That's WANforum.com. We can't wait to see you there and for you to dive in.